many times in our scriptures, Jesus comes across very abruptly. He doesn't soften his words. He simply says what's on his mind and he makes no apologies for it. For example, today we hear Jesus say several things that kind of make us stop and scratch our heads. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man have, has no place to rest his head. Or how about, let the dead bury their dead? That sounds kind of harsh. And my favorite is whoever sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is not fit for the kingdom of God. And I think that many times we, we become so disturbed by these words that sometimes we miss the point that Jesus is trying to make. And this was the problem that I had as I started looking at these readings for today. But as I sat and prayed with them, I began to see a common theme. I began to see how our readings show how man responds to God's call. So go back to our first reading from the book of Kings. We have the call of Elisha. He's going to be the prophet that succeeds Elijah. In St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, we have the call to freedom, not to slavery. In the Gospel of Luke, we have the call to follow the Son of Man. And in each one of these readings, the call is loud and clear. And it would be easy to follow if this was the only call we heard. But there's also the call of the world. There's the call of our friends. There's the call to make money. There's the call to fame and popularity. There's the call to, to gather material goods. There's the call to have a quality position in life. Even the call to have a career or a vocation that gives us some sense of satisfaction. So how do we sort through all these things? How do we decide to hear the voice of God calling us over all these other voices that we hear? In my studies, in my seven years as a deacon, as I read through the scriptures and as I reflect on the lives of the saints, I've started to see a pattern that seems to be common in the lives of all these characters who answer God's call. And I found three things that always seem to be at the heart of these patriarchs, these prophets, these saints. Simplicity, focus, and trust. So let's unpack that a little bit because on the surface they sound really, really nice but they seem so hard to do. So what does it mean to be simple? Think about this and tell me if it isn't true. Simplicity is naturally appealing to us. We strive for the simple life. And yet, we fill our lives with all these things that we think will make our life simpler, but in reality, they take up so much time and energy, and then we don't understand why our lives are so complicated. I mean, there's no doubt, we are complex human beings. Our bodies, our chemistry, our minds are so complex. But that doesn't mean that we have to live a complicated life. Because at the core of it all, the reason we were created, the purpose for which we exist, is to love. And to be loved. That's it. Plain and simple. And yet we get caught up in this noise that the world creates. 
that calls us to buy more, to be more, to consume more. Think about how many small storage facilities there are here right here in Quero. So often we get to the point that we don't even have enough physical space to store all the stuff we have. We have to go and rent more space. We complain that there's hardly enough time in the day. We struggle as families just to sit down and share a meal together. Everyone is just so busy. So I mean, does that sound like the simple life? So I invite you to go back and to look at our saints. Like St. Francis, for example. Better yet, look to the example of Pope Francis and see how clearly they hear God's call because their lives don't have all this material clutter. And see the difference that it makes in their lives. And then think about how, the, how different that might make our lives. Notice that Jesus in the scriptures, when he sends out his disciples, he tells them not to take any extra baggage, not even a money sack. He encourages them to do with what they have because he knows that the most effective way to touch the lives of others is to keep it simple. And then there's focus. What does it take to stay focused? Look at our first reading as we hear the call of Elisha. Elijah. He comes and he puts his cloak on Elisha. And that's a sign of special calling. And how does Elisha respond? Please, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. In other words, okay, but not right now. Let me think about it. I want to follow you, but let me get my affairs in order first. And Elijah says, go back. Go back for what? Have I done something to you? But Elijah goes back anyway and he takes care of his affairs first. And then he does come back and follow Elijah. Similarly, in our gospel, we hear the call of Jesus to, to one of his followers. Follow me, he says. Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Meaning, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me tend to my family. Let me think about it a little bit more. Let me make sure that this is what I want to do. Let me put my life in order. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. One of the most disempowering words that we have in the English language is the word but. B-U-T. Behold the underlying truth. So often we use that three-letter word to step down or to step away from opportunities because we're afraid or we're unsure or we're challenged to step out of our comfort zone. But, behold the underlying truth, if we would stop and listen to ourselves every time we use the word but, we would see that it reveals to us where our true priorities lie at the moment. Yes, Lord, I want to get involved in helping others, but I've got these parties that I want to go to. I want to follow you, but first I need to get my life in order. Yes, Lord, I should come to church, but fill in the blank. To go back and remember the words of St. Paul today, the flesh lusts against the spirit. The two are directly opposed. You see, if we don't screen out the distractions, then we won't be able to listen to the spirit. Make no doubt, we have the gift of the spirit, 
but we don't stay focused. And that's what I see in Elisha at the time of his call. And that's what I see in the gospel. They heard and they felt the call. They know that the call is valid. And they know the right choice they have to make. But behold the underlying truth. They were distracted. They weren't focused. Remember, our mind focuses on whatever dominates its time. And whatever takes our mind off of Christ and the truth of His gospel should be considered a distraction. St. Paul also tells us, tells us of our heritage today. Remember, you have been called to live in freedom, not the yoke of slavery. And that means even slavery of the mind. So how do we spend our time? What are we being held slaves by? What occupies our mind that could be considered a distraction from the calling of Christ in our lives? Can we name it? You see, this is what Jesus wants us to see in Luke's Gospel. To look inside of ourselves and identify those things that keep us from focusing on our response to Him. And once we've done that, once we, then we can discover the third characteristic that holy men, holy men and women seem to have. Trust. And I think that to trust may be the hardest part because we spend the better part of our lives conditioning our minds to be in charge of our lives. And I think this is what St. Paul is getting at when he tells us that the flesh lusts against the spirit. Because our very nature can be a contradiction to trust. Because we want to be in control of our lives. We want to be the pilots of our ships. We live in an age that convinces us that we know what's best for us. Not the church, not our pastor, not our parents, and sometimes not even God. We see ourselves as the masters of our own fate. And there's truth in that. Because we do own the choices that we make. And we own the consequences that come with them. But St. Paul reminds us that we can't live the flesh. We can't live out of the flesh and live out of the spirit at the same time. We have to make a choice. And the choice means that we believe Jesus when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because you see, it's only by trusting in God that we can truly live the simple life. It's only by trusting in God that we can have true freedom. Again, St. Paul nails it in our second reading. For freedom, Christ set us free. For you were called for freedom, brothers and sisters. But do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather, serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, our freedom is not to do whatever we please. It's not based on our rights over those of others. For Christians, to be free is to serve. Instead of being bound by material things, we find our true freedom. We find the simple life in using the goods of creation for the benefit of everyone. Because now our lives are truly in order and our focus shifts from what we think we need to following Christ 
and meeting the needs of others. I'd like you to remember this. Everything we do should be motivated by love because love is the purest expression of freedom. Everything we do should be motivated by love because love is the purest expression of freedom. Thursday, we celebrate the 4th of July. We celebrate as a nation that we live in a land where we believe that every human being has God-given rights. We celebrate our right to choose. Our country is founded on the motto, In God We Trust. And we remember the cost to protect that freedom. And so St. Paul's words to serve one another through love should characterize how we live in the freedom that we have. So here's the thought that I would like to share with you for the days ahead as we celebrate this freedom that we cherish so much. Remember that Jesus himself lived a simple life. He was born as a simple child in a simple stable. He was born to a simple family. He preached a simple message. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he continues to give himself to us in simple bread and simple wine. You see, it's through that simplicity that Jesus brought about our salvation. It's through simplicity that Jesus changed the course of human history for all eternity. So as we come to receive the Eucharist today, as we come forward and Christ is laid on our tongue and in the palm of our hands, when we say amen, search your heart and simply trust. Trust in Christ's goodness. Trust in His promises. Trust that He is the way, the only way, to true fulfillment and happiness. Christ says, I have come to testify to the truth, and the truth will set you free.